0: Morning church. I'd like to welcome everyone to our church family. So good to see you here today. It's always good to see you. And uh, got some sunshine for a few days, maybe. Maybe. So I just wish it would rain a little more. <clears throat> Aren't you proud of our young people? Like Bruce said, they they've worked, I mean, three to six. Every Sunday afternoon, this building has been hopping. These buildings have been hopping, and then they go over, and thousands of young people go over, and that's kind of nerve-wracking, and they have to perform, and everything they've practiced, and uh, y'all did a great job. So if you want to honor them again, they just, we should honor our young people. So proud of the coaches, the parents, that's a a big-time commitment, hour-wise, so... And I want you to know, church, I'm very proud of you for a lot of reasons. I I don't know if you've noticed, I don't know that you read the bulletin, but we've had over 500 in attendance the last three Sundays in a row. In fact, seven of our 15-ish, 14, 15 Sundays this year has already been over 500. So I so appreciate your commitment. I appreciate your commitment to the Lord, to this church family, to, to worship. That's just awesome. And I'm so proud of you because of your generosity to carrying and sharing a thermometer out there just keeps growing we're trying to raise $75,000 because carrying and sharing needs to be about people and not about buildings and you can read that information in the bulletin how much you gave last week or I don't know 51,000 out of 75,000 so that is fantastic I'm just I'm so proud of you in, in so many ways and just want to let you know that. We started a series last week. Nobody made fun of my graphic because that's, um, you know, when you do Bible characters, that's the one I grew up with. So that's what Bible characters look like to me. So I'm talking about my favorite Bible characters. Last week, we talked about Onesiphorus, whose name means profit bearer. Onesiphorus was an encourager, and I don't have to tell you to do that. You, before the lesson and even after, you're such an encouraging congregation, such a card-writing congregation. You stay in contact with people. You love people in so many ways. And I, I talked about Onesiphorus just to remind you of how powerful it is to be an encourager. So. Thank you for being such a great encourager. This week, we're going to talk about someone who's probably a little more well-known. His name is David. I love the Bible character David. I want to pick up the story of David in 1 Samuel 16. I'm not going to have a lot of those slides up there, but when we encounter David, David is just a boy. In fact, the king at the time is a man named Saul. Saul disobeys God, and God says, hey, you're out. I'm getting a new king. And so God shockingly chooses David. I say shockingly because David was a boy. The next king that God picks is a teenage boy. And so Samuel does what God says. He goes to the house of Jesse and said, hey, I'm, I'm here to select the next king. And Jesse has a number of sons and he parades all his boys in front of Samuel, he parades Eliab and Abinadab and Shammah. He has seven sons. And all seven sons get the negative nod. Not him, not him, not him, not him. To the point that Samuel says, are these all of your sons? And Jesse said, no, I've still got the youngest, but he's out tending sheep. And Samuel says, you send for him. We'll wait. And so David shows up. Samuel anoints him as king. And here's how he's described. David was... Ruddy, with a fine appearance, handsome features, he's a brave man, he's a warrior, he speaks well, he's a fine-looking man, and the Lord's with him, and he's a boy. He's the next king, and this is the description of a teenage boy. Wow. Maybe God sees things, I know God sees things that people don't see. Well, Saul sins for him. Saul's having a little trouble sleeping one day. He needs someone to play the harp to soothe his soul. They find David. He comes in from tending sheep. David becomes, he likes him so well, David becomes one of his armor bearers. And then the story continues, enter a man named Goliath. You're probably familiar with the story of um, David and Goliath for 40 days. Um, As you read through here, the Philistines gathered their forces for war. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up the battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill, the Israelites another, with the valley between them. So if you keep reading in 1 Samuel 17, for 40 days the Israelites would line up on one side of the valley and they would shout their war cry. And the Philistines would line up on the other side of the valley and they would shout their war cry for 40 days. Scripture says twice a day, 80 times, they lined up for battle. And Scripture said the Israelites went through the motions of war. Scripture says the Israelites were terrified because this giant came out by the name of Goliath, and he stood and and shouted at the ranks of Israel and said, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subject's. But if I overcome him and kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. This day, I defy the ranks of Israel. Forty days, 80 times, they hear this message. For 40 days, the Philistines said, You can't win. For 40 days, Goliath said, You can't win. For 40 days, the Israelites said, We can't win. For 40 days, the king, Saul, said, We can't win. And David enters the picture to fight this giant. Now, back to Jesse and his boys. The three oldest boys are in the army. They need some food. They're witnessing this every day. Jesse calls David in from the fields. Said, Hey, you need to take some food to your brothers. David takes the food just in time to see one of these encounters. Just in time to see the Israelite army shake in fear. Just in time to see them line up for battle, only to go through the motions of war. And David says, What will be done? Let me see if I have this. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Pretty strong words for a man, very bold words for a a boy. A teenage boy. He's told to the man who kills Goliath, the king will give great wealth. His daughter in marriage and your dad won't have to pay, your family won't have to pay taxes anymore. David says, I'm the man. And he goes after Goliath. Goliath, who by all reports is anywhere from 9 foot 6 to 10 feet tall. Goliath, whose armor alone probably weighed 125 pounds. His armor alone probably weighed more than David. His javelin, his spear, was 15 pounds. And David says, I'm the man. So let me tell you why I love the Bible character David. I've got three reasons. I love David because I love David's fight. I love David's fight. Let me give you some other words. I love his resolve. I love his determination. I love his tenacity. I love his resolution. I love his doggedness. But this isn't just any fight. This is a boy fighting a man. This isn't just any man. This is a boy fighting a giant. This isn't just any fight. This is God's people at war against another nation, against the Philistines. This isn't a barroom brawl. This isn't a schoolyard rumble. This is war. And David says, I'll fight this guy. I'll fight this guy. I'll remove this disgrace from Israel. I love David because I love his fight. He's not fighting for his agenda. He's fighting for God. Too many fights these days in the world are about personal agendas. Too many fights these days in the church are about personal agendas. David said, I'm fighting for God. And I'm going to remove this disgrace because God needs to look good. David is fighting for God. If you keep reading this story, I've got to ask questions. What kind of king is going to allow this boy to go fight a giant? What kind of brothers would send a little brother out to fight a giant? What kind of army is going to, what kind of soldiers are going to sit there and witness as this boy goes out to fight this giant? What kind of boy, teenage boy, would say, Hey, I got nothing else to do. I was tending sheep. This is pretty exciting. What kind of boy does that? David's brother's getting mad. They think he's just trying to get some attention. Saul finds out that David will fight Saul doesn't care who's going to fight. He says, I'm all in. Bring him in. He puts him in armor. It's way too much armor for a boy. And David sheds the armor and he goes to war with his bare hands. And he goes to war with a slingshot. And he goes to war with five stones he grabs from a stream along the way. I love David's fight. I wished I had David's fight. I wished I had his tenacity for what is right. Not what I think is right. For what is right in God's side, I wished I had that fight and that tenacity. I love David because of his fight. But let me give you a second reason I love David. I love David because of his focus. I love David because of his focus. David goes out to do battle. Let's read what's going on here. He took his staff in hand, he chose five smooth stones, he put them in a pouch with his sling in hand, and he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised them. i got to stop right there. I mean, we just read that about David. Those were all the descriptors about David. And David, the boy, goes out to see Goliath, and Goliath says, Hey, this dude's pretty ruddy and handsome. (coughs) Why? And he despised him. Did he despise him because he was a good-looking kid? Hey, why can't you send an ugly dude out here? Why are you sending this kid? Did he despise him because he's a boy? I don't know why he despised him. I just find it interesting that Goliath said, "Ah, there's a good-looking dude right there. Goliath said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Come here and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to him, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down, and I'll cut off your head today. I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. And he'll give all of you into our hands. We we sang that song. Rodney, thank you for singing that song before the sermon. David's focus was on God. David's not focused on his abilities. David's not even concerned if he's going to win. David knows God will deliver him. I love David's focus. I wished I had his focus even before he went out when Saul said basically you don't have a chance David said you know what I've been keeping my father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock I went after it struck it rescued grabbed it killed it your servant has killed both the lion and the bear this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them the Lord who delivered me from them the Lord's going to deliver me from him I absolutely love David's Focus. Listen, folks, this story's not about David. This story's not about Goliath. This story's not about the Israelites or the Philistines. This story's about God. And I love this story because David reminds me that this story is about God. David didn't defeat Goliath because he had a slingshot and a stone. David didn't defeat Goliath because he was a good shot. David didn't defeat Goliath because he had... Had faith, David didn't defeat Goliath. God did. And I think God chose David because David was focused on God. This is a story about God. And that's what David wants us to know. I love David's focus. You can read through the Old Testament. David was so focused on God. He meditated on his law, meditated on his word. I love David's focus. To be able to know the presence of God like he did morning, noon, and night. To feel the presence of God in your life. To know, to have that confidence that God's going to deliver you no matter what comes your way. To have that kind of relationship. I love David's focus. I just, I wish I had his focus. There's one other reason I love David though. I love David's, I love David's failures. I love David's failures. The story continues. David eventually becomes king. He enjoys a lot of successes. He expands the kingdom. He expands the territory. He enjoys a lot of victories. And then we get to 2 Samuel chapter 11 in the spring. At the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, But David remained in Jerusalem. At a time when kings are supposed to go to war, David stayed home. I'll just tell you, most of the times you mess up in life, you're not where you're supposed to be. He's supposed to be at war. And he was at home, and he couldn't sleep. And he got up on his roof, and he sees a beautiful woman bathe him, and he wants to know who it is, and he sends for her, and they sleep together, and they have an affair, and they have a child, and he tries to cover up. He brings Bathsheba's husband home, tries to get him to sleep with Bathsheba. He doesn't. Sleeps on the doorstep, so he sends him to the front lines of battle and has him killed. David sins, David disobeys, David tries to cover up. David has an affair, the baby's born, the baby dies. I love David's failures. You know what I like about the Bible is God doesn't sugarcoat anything. If people fail, God said they failed. If people are immoral, God says he's immoral. If people cheated or lied or committed adultery, whatever it is, God says, hey, here it is. I mean, God doesn't sugarcoat anything in the Bible. No paper saints, no cardboard heroes. I love David's failures. I love David because I love his fight. I, I wished I had his fight. I love David because of his focus. I so want to have the same focus in my life. I love David because of his failures. I I have those. And I can relate. To one of the greatest men in the bible Here's what I want you to see From this story When you lose your fight in life When you have No reason to live When you give up When you're no longer determined When you lose your fight in life You're going to live a defeated life And when you lose your focus in life And you can't see where God is leading you And you're not spending time in God's word And you're, you're not enjoying the fellowship of God's people When you lose your focus in life You're going to live a defeated life and when all you can see is your failures and your insecurities and what you can or can't do and and you're focused so much on you and your failures, you're going to live a defeated life listen church, they put Jesus in the grave and they said he's got no fight left in him, it's over They put Jesus in the grave and people were saying, well, he must not be focused on the things we're focused on. They put Jesus in the grave and people were saying, he failed, it's over. But we know what happened next. Up from the grave, he arose. You see, I love the story, the character of David, because he reminds me that victory has nothing to do with my abilities. Victory most often doesn't have anything to do with my focus. Victory for sure doesn't have anything to do with my failures. The battle belongs to the Lord, and He's the one who gives us victory in life. And David reminds me that we're called to live a victorious life. And when we fight for what is right in God's eyes, and we, when we focus on what God can do in our lives, and when we let God deal with our failures, we will live victorious lives. But maybe today, your failures have gotten you down. Maybe you're facing some giants today. And those giants have so beat you down that all you're seeing is you and your failures. And maybe you've lost your focus thinking, you know, I, I I don't even know how I can go on i got all these giants that are beating down on my door. I've got all these financial concerns, these people concerns, and these family concerns. I, I just don't know. And, and when, we, when we let those giants beat us down, then we lose our focus. And then when we lose our focus, we start thinking, I'm, I'm just, I, I must be a failure, and I've got no fight left in me. Listen, folks, maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here today, and the giant seems so large. You know what I like about David is for 40 days... All the Israelites could see was the giant. And David showed up and all he could see was God. That's what I want you to see today. I want you to look past the giants and see a bigger God. I want you to put the giants aside and realize God wants to do battle for you. I want you to realize God is on your side. I want you to realize God wants you to live a victorious life. I want you to realize you don't have to go through life alone. I want you to realize that Jesus serves a purpose in our life and we can live victorious lives. So we offer the invitation of Jesus today. If you're fighting some giants, if they're overwhelming to you and you're thinking, I can't do this anymore, you can go to the back and our shepherds will take you to a private room and embrace you in prayer and lift you before the throne of God's grace and help you fight those giants. That's why we're here. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't don't have any resources except your own. And you're going to fail. And you're going to be defeated. The reason we want you to have Jesus is Jesus empowers us. Jesus gives us resources. Jesus enables us to get up each day and to take on those giants because we see a bigger God. But if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, can I encourage you to do that today? Repent of your sins, confess Jesus Christ as Lord, and you can be baptized today. If you need to respond to the invitation in any way, please do so as we stand and sing.